Thanks for joining us this morning. This is, we, we do miss gathering together. This is not fun. This is not the way it's meant to be, but we are th- thankful for uh, technology. So thanks for um, being with us this morning. I just want to inc- uh, thank you as well and just let you know how we appreciate your faithfulness. Um, and if you are able to give, uh, you can give online or you can mail it into the church um, directly. We just appreciate that. Um, corner. So if you have your Bibles this morning or take a Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 57, Psalm chapter 57, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 57. It says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purposes for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame Him who tramples on me. God will send out His steadfast love and His faithfulness. And verse 11 says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, thanks for just another day of life, and Lord, thanks for the fact that you give that to us. As Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come, be with us this morning as we look at your word, that you would encourage us with your word, that we would trust you more because of it. God, you would just give grace to people who are struggling this morning, just encourage them. Lord, thanks for your word, and Lord, I pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth will be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A Facebook friend of mine uh, named Joe this week put this out on Thursday. He said, uh, so, how are you feeling today? And he wrote, well, let's see now. It's a blend of wonderful, awful, fearful, confident, perplexed, with a helping of impatient, weak, strong, optimistic, and also worried. How are you? How are you? That's my question this morning. How are you. What, what this pandemic has proven is that no one had a 2020 vision for 2020. No, none of us got it right. No, no one planned it right. All of us got it wrong. We all have things crossed off on our perfectly organized calendars for this year. No, none of us got it right. It's not that all of our plans were sinful this year. It's just that they were not the best design for God's determined purposes for us. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his way. That is a passage of God's providence. And what is that truth? That man may plan his way, but God establishes his way. What is that truth producing in you? Is Is it producing humility in you? Or is it producing this just huff against God, all this, this, this frustration that you're not dealing with well? How you answer that question, particularly if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, will determine the degree of your true joy and response of hope during this time. Psalm 57, the context of this is the Psalm of David, who, who wrote it in a time of great problems and pain. He was in the cave. He had been chased by Saul for many years. Um, he was in this desolate cave. He was desperate. It is a, it is a psalm of lament. 
Um, but it's a psalm of lament that has thanksgiving in it because he takes all of his problems, all his concerns, um, he takes all his difficulties, and he takes them to God most high. He says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. It's a psalm of lament, but it's also a psalm of where to take your direction, and it's also a psalm of just dependence on God's providence. Verse 3 says, or verse 2, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purposes for me. This is a psalm of joy and confidence in the midst of difficulty, but it says God who fulfills his purposes. It's a statement of confidence in God's patience in the past, or God's providence in the past, and confidence in God's providence for the future. Psalm 138, 8 says the same thing. It says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. What are you seeing during this pandemic, during this stay-at-home orders? What are you securing yourself to? This morning, I just want to encourage us to stabilize ourselves by seeing the providence of God. John Flavel, in the 17th century, wrote this. He said, It is the duty of saints, especially in times of straits, to reflect upon the performances of providence for them in all the states and through all the stages of their lives. What is the providence of God. It's a word that's not uh, specifically mentioned in Scripture, just like other words that we have, like Trinity. Uh, they're, they're not mentioned in Scripture, but they are displayed all through Scripture. So when we say providence, what is providence? The Heidelberg Catechism, question 27, uh, said it this way, what do you mean by the providence of God? The answer the almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven and earth and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren ears, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things come, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand." The Westminster Assembly said the providence of God, they defined it as God's work of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures in all their actions. And Tony Evans, I liked his definition. He says, providence is the hand of God in the glove of history. The Heidelberg question number 28 said this, what's the advantage to know that God has created and by his providence does still uphold all things? What's the advantage to knowing the God who fulfills his purposes for you? The answer is that we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father that nothing shall separate us from his love, since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. 
Scripture all through, all through Scripture talks about this providence of God, that God is not some deist who just started the world and let it spin out of control and it go however it wants. That's not how the Bible talks about God or his providence or his rule and reign in the world. Hebrews 1.3 says about Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Colossians 1 says it this way in verses 15 through 17 says Jesus he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold Together And Acts 17 says that in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. These are all descriptions of how God is providentially in control of his creation. And the Bible talks about the providence of God that it covers every aspect of our world and our lives. Psalm 147 talks about how the providence of God is seen in the weather. God, he, he, he creates the rain and the wind. He brings the storms. It says in Psalm 147, 8, God is providentially in control of the rain, the snow that came this week, the weather. Jonah for, talks about God is in control. He rules over plants. And animals. Job 12.23 says, He makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and he leads them away. God is providentially in control of all the nations. He's providentially in control of technology. He's providentially in control of science, which means what he created, it, it remains the way it's meant to be. And so we can have some trust that those things will remain to be true. But God rules over all of them, whether plants, animals, rulers, nations. He even rules over the boundaries of our lives. Acts 17, 26 says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. God knew that you would live in 2020. He knew where you would live in 2020. He knew your address would be before you ever knew it. This was providentially part of his plan. There was an individual in our church, a family, who was uh, just considering moving away, and they were struggling with the idea of, does, are we supposed to move? Should we leave? And I remember talking to uh, the wife after service a few months ago, about, about a year ago, and I showed him this passage. And as I showed him Acts 1726, the response was, she was just, just well, not really sure what does God want for us. And as I read Acts 1726, the response was, her was that, that makes me want to move. And as sad as I was to see them go, I was happy because it was the word of God that confirmed to them, yeah, God's in control of our lives. And this is God's movement for us. He provides the boundaries of our existence. He's also in control of all random events. Proverbs 16:33 says, "The lot is cast into the lamp, the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord." Even the things that we don't think matter much, these random events, rolling dice. So if you've pulled out Monopoly during the stay-at-home uh, 
time or you pulled out the game of life and you lost or you got everybody landing on boardwalk for you and you had all the hotels or all the houses or none of the hotels or none of the houses. That wasn't chance. This says that the lot is cast into the lamp, but every decision is from the Lord. He's providentially in control even of the most minor things, the Bible says. Psalm 135, 6 says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. But you might say, well, what about my choices? What about my decisions? Uh, Aren't I in in charge of my life and the way things go? And it's hard for us to understand, but that's what Scripture just said. That's how God defined his rule and reign. And one theologian to that question said this, God causes all things that happen, but he does so in such a way that he somehow upholds our ability to make willing, responsible choices, choices that have real and eternal results and for which we are held accountable. How does he do that? We're not given the full explanation of how he does that, but we have been given many examples. We have Joseph. Ruth, Esther, Job, all examples where where God was providentially over top of it all. But real decisions were being made by real people. And in Joseph's situation, they they said of Joseph's brother, Joseph said at the end, you meant it for evil and it was evil, but God meant it for good. We don't, we don't have all the explanation of how God does all these things, how he codes all these millions of stories together to make one great story. But we have given, been given an escape from our bad choices that are, we are responsible for and our corrupted nature through Jesus that gives us true hope, more than just help in an explanation. In Luke 13, there, there was a group of people that came to Jesus, and they were very uh, frustrated and very upset and trying to figure uh, what, what was going on in their world at this time. There was a great tragedy. The Tower of Siloam had fallen down, and, and 18 people died. And the question came to Jesus, you know, why did these people die? Who sinned that caused this? Well, what's the reason for this catastrophe? And they asked Jesus, and Jesus said to them, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. She says, or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, Jesus said. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It's the same for us. We don't know how God in his infinite wisdom is providentially, sovereignly ruling over everything, but our choices do matter, and we are responsible for those choices. And what we need to know first is what Jesus said. We need to repent. We need to know our, our sin has caused a break in our relationship with God, and that break can be made right through Jesus Christ, which is what we celebrated Last week, we don't always know how these providences or why these providences, but we know the one who does. And we are called to repent and to follow Jesus Christ in the midst of them. Have you done that? But in Psalm 57, he says, David cries out, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful 
to me. For you and you, my soul takes refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. The picture of David's life for much of his early year picture was a picture of providences of pain, which is what our world seems to be going into right now. We, we are in this providence of God that is filled with pain for many people. And how can God be in this? Here's what we need to know with pictures of providences of pain. Difficult things happen in life, death, diseases, sickness, financial problems. We, we deal with wayward children. We deal with emotional baggage. We deal with the pollution of other people's sins and our own sins. Difficult things happen in this life. It's what Job 5 says, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's just as much as sparks fly upward in a flame, man is born to trouble. We feel this. This is, this is what the Bible says. Difficult things happen in life, and painful providences are painful. Joseph went through difficult, painful providences. David was going through a difficult providence. Jesus himself, when he was on earth, in Gethsemane, and on the cross, all the design of God for him, it was painful. He didn't deny it. He cried out. He, he sweat, Jesus did, sweats of blood, sweat of tears. He cried on the cross. He felt every blow. Painful providences are painful. They're real. We don't deny that. It's sad that we can't gather yet as a church. It's sad that people have been laid off. It's sad that seniors won't graduate. Painful providences are real. But painful providences are not without good purposes. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What that means is that, that, that all things work together for good for those who love God. All things for the good that God knows we need. It never means that God departs from us when we go through a difficult, painful providence. It never means God's not with us. The Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. He's near us. So in the midst of painful providences, they are not without God's purposes. So in the midst of closures and cancellations and all these concerns, God is very close. He's very near. He's very present present and painful providences point us to a better day. Job 37 talks about how they, painful providences can be for correction in Job 37, 11 through 13. They, they can be for confirmation that yes, I am a follower of God. Yes, I do believe these things. When we go through sufferings and difficulties, our faith is tested and we, we say, yes, this, this is true. Painful providences are about character building, to making us more like Jesus Christ. And they are also countless blessings to others. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress almost 400 years ago, was in prison away from his family for 12 years while he dreamed one night and had the idea for the story and he wrote it out. And 400 years later, people still are reading his book, The Pilgrim's Progress, and still having their life impacted by it. John Bunyan didn't know 400 years ago that when he was suffering 
in prison, alone, away from his young children, that God would use his painful providence to be a blessing for centuries in people's lives. Just look at Johnny Erickson Tata, 17-year-old girl, breaks her neck swimming, Hard, painful providence. But as you look at her life and what she has done for the cause of Christ in helping those with special needs and handicapped, her hard providence is a continual and countless blessings to others. We want to see the point. We want to see the point now of why we go through difficult things. We want to know why now it is we have to suffer in different struggles. But we, always, we don't get to see the point often. We often don't get to see the point for years, and maybe not even until eternity, but what we are called to do is to trust the one who holds us in his hands in the midst of painful providences that are real, that are painful, that are hard. But we honor God by trusting him in providences of pleasure and trusting him in providences of pain because they're both working. There's this old story of a father and a son who were going to meet each other in a field on their horses. And as they came, the son came to his father and he said, dad, it's unbelievable. God gave me special providences on the way here. My horse tripped three times and I did not fall off. And his dad replied to him, son, God gave me special providences on the way here. My horse didn't trip once and I also never fell off. They're both the providence of God. They're both the design of God, the good and the bad, the providences of pleasure and the providences of pain. But how? How do we honor God and trust Him in providences? I would encourage you to do what David's doing in this psalm, which is paint a great picture of God's providence in your life. Paint a great picture of God's providence in your life. Why? This is, what, this is, this is the pattern of Scripture. All, all through the Psalms, all through the Old Testament, you read about people would go through struggles, they would see how God intervened, and they would, they would write a big picture and say, this is what God did. This is how he worked, and they would describe that. So paint a great picture of God in your providences. This is the picture of hope. This is what Romans 8, 28 is all about. For we know that he who began a good work in us will perform it. And we, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. But how do, we, how do we do this? How do you paint a great picture of God's providence in your life? You do it by tracing the hand of God. You look back and you see where God was working. You trust that God, you are sovereignly, providentially in control. You've designed my steps. Before I was born, Psalm 139 says, you knew me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You knew all about me. You think about me like the sand of the seashores. And so then you take your life, and you take your situation, and you see where you're at, and you start looking back, and you trace the hand of God, and you say, hey, remember this? You see how this happened? I mean, all of us have stories where we would say, man, if I, if I would have turned that way instead of this way, I could have been in that accident. Or if I would have showed up five minutes before that, I wouldn't have met that person. We, we have all these instances of the providences of God. Or I needed to meet this person, I went to the store, and that's the person I needed to see. All of these stories, over and over, our church has thousands of them. 
You have hundreds of them in your own life, and we need to trace the hand of God. God's presence is prominent when you begin to trace his presence. Amy Carmichael, who ended up spending her life in India uh, as a missionary and taking care of hundreds and rescuing hundreds of boys and girls, when she was little, she would pray to God, God, give me blue eyes. She has brown eyes, and she wanted blue eyes. She didn't like her brown eyes. But as her life and the providences of her life that had been ordained for her came, she used to have to put, darken her skin and, with, with, with oils and, and, and go in and rescue babies that were being offered to be killed and slaughtered. And had she had blue eyes, she never would have been able to do that. She would have been noticed. But her brown eyes protected her, and providentially God designed it that way before she was even born, and we can trace these. I would encourage you this afternoon, before you even get up, sit with your family and just talk about how did we get here? What has God done? Look how he brought us. Look where he will bring us. Talk about the help of God to your children and to other Christians. Share with, this is what David's doing. He's sharing how God rescued him out of the cave, out of difficult and hard promises, and and he's telling them, he's talking about them. Share them with your children. Share them with other Christians. Tell about the hope of God. Psalm 71, 15 says, My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the days, for their number is past my knowledge. When was the last time you just sat down and traced the providences of God and and counted your blessings, naming them one by one and seeing just what God has done? It, It will strengthen your faith. Psalm 71, 14 says, I will hope continually and praise you yet more and more. How will you do that? How are you going to be able to do that in the midst of a pandemic and shutdowns and different struggles that everyone is dealing with? How will we hope continually and we'll still praise God yet more and more? You'll do it by painting a great picture of God's providence in your life. You'll paint a great picture for your family, for yourself, and you'll look at it often and keep looking at it and look to see how God has traced those things. And you'll also do it by pumping in the promises of God's providence. Pumping them in, yes, this is true. Yes, God is with me. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to keep looking at the providences of God, keep pumping them in and and trust in the promises of his providence? Because it will give us a deeper assurance of who he is and what he's doing in our life. Everything matters. Nothing will be wasted for the follower of Christ. And he is taking all these millions of stories, hundreds and thousands of stories in our church, millions of stories around the world right now, and he is weaving them together in such an unbelievable, one-day perfect picture that the whole world will see and be in awe of in eternity. And by pumping in the promises of God's providence, we'll have a deeper assurance. You'll also have a deeper diligence for the normal means of God's grace. As you start looking for the providences of God and tracing them and and looking at his promises, 
and rehearsing them and seeing how it's been affected in other people. You're, you're going to have this desire to be in his, God's Word. You're going to have a desire to gather again when we, when we can and, uh, and online. And just the normal means of God's grace and prayer are going to refresh you because you're going to know that God is in control. He is leading me all the way through. And I just take one step after another step after another step, a, a long obedience in the same direction, which will give us a deeper diligence, which will end in us and give us a deeper delight. David said, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Is your heart steadfast right now? Would that how you would how you would describe you walking through these slowdowns, these shutdowns, this pandemic? David was in the midst of a cave. He cried out to God to be merciful. He cried out to the God most high. He took his complaints, he took his issues to God, but he did it knowing he I'm taking it to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. And then David said, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And he said it twice. In verse 5 and verse 11, be exalted, O God, above the earth. Let your glory be over all the earth. He had a deeper delight in God because he pumped in the promise of God's providence. This past week when the tornadoes went through Tennessee and down south last weekend. I saw a story of a woman and a family. They, they, they lost their house, and they just made it to safety, and then their house was gone. And the wife's name was Barbara, and she said, it was the grace of God. That was the only explanation. And that's the only explanation that we need. It was the grace of God. If we are truly people of the resurrection, we are people who are truly going to trust in Christ alone, then we know that all wrongs will be made right. This is the beginning of the story. Not the end of the story. God will be exalted. He's taking all these stories. He's taking all the trials of a pandemic and he's mapping them together in billions and millions and millions of ways that are going to bring him glory. Where we will, as followers of Christ, look back one day in eternity and say, wow, God, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above the earth. But for us, as Christians now, we can choose to do that. We can choose to see the good and the difficult providences, and we can choose by faith, because of what Christ has done for us, to say now, even when we don't fully understand everything, be exalted, O God, be exalted. Our hearts will be steadfast because God moves in mysterious ways. That's his Providence, just like William Cowper said, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, 
fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and will break with blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. As you walk this week, ponder God's providence. It's there for us. He's planning and guiding and directing your life. He moves in mysterious ways. But we can trust his providence, and we can continue to hope in God. And God can be exalted above all the heavens. Let his glory be over all the earth. Let's pray. Healing rain is coming down, is coming nearer to this old town. The rich and poor, the weak and strong, it's bringing mercy, it won't be long. Hey